Welcome, everybody. This is Fantasy Baseball Today, and we are previewing, I think, a very, very interesting position. Some, like me, would call it top-heavy, but it might also be deep at the same time. Let's get the opinions from Scott White, Chris Towers, and Heath Cummings. I am Adam Azer. You can follow me on Twitter at Adam Azer, A-I-Z-E-R. Here is at CBS Scott White. Hey, Scott. Hello, Adam. Do I sound crisp and clear to you today? We're using a microphone. You You sound Scott and clear. Mm. Oh, yeah. Uh, new mics. I say Chris. It didn't fix Chris. <laughs> it sounded like you said Chris. That's that's the joke. Chris. How's Chris. that? Yes. That new yeah. mics for the guys in the Fort Lauderdale office, and we love it. Uh, they sound great. We're probably going to have video at some point. You get to see our ugly mugs. Chris Towers is at C... Uh, what are you again? At C Towers? Come on, man. I forget. At Don't, ADP, yeah, the, boy. That poor at C Towers guy gets just hate mail constantly. Not that everybody sends Chris hate mail or anything, but... I want hate mail. Send me your hate. I love it. I love showing my wife when people are angry at me. It really upsets her. Oh, does she get angry at you? Well, I mean, yeah. Yes. Who obviously. says meaner things to you, your wife or Twitter? Uh, Twitter. Twitter. My wife actually, she likes me. She tolerates me. Tolerates is the right word. All right. He is at C Tower CBS. Heath is at Heath Cummings Senior. Excuse me, at Heath Cummings Sr., at Heath Cummings SR, and this is the second base preview, and let's get to it. And I'll start with you, Heath. Give me a second baseman you find yourself drafting frequently. Cesar Hernandez, at the very, very, very late stages of Roto drafts, is a guy that ends up on a lot of my rosters. Um, also, Jose Altuve, when I have the first pick, because I, or the second pick, because I have him ranked ahead of Trout. Um, yeah, how come? Why, what, what, why? I think Jose Altuve is going to help you more in batting average. I think Jose Altuve is going to help you more in steals. I don't expect he's going to hurt you anywhere. You think Trout's going to hurt you somewhere? No. Okay. Are we sure Jose Altuve is going to help you more in stolen bases? I, I said I think. Yes. I well, but, no but over right? the last two seasons, they've pretty much stolen bases at the same pace, right? Um. Yeah, pretty similar. Like Mike Trout missed some time, but he was on a 30-plus steal pace, and I think he stole 30-plus bases the year before. He's back to running. I think he was back to running on an offensive team that wasn't as good, but you know when offensive production goes up, running usually goes down. We saw Altuve's running go down already because he's on a really good offense. Trout's going to be on a better offense this year. All right, so Chris, how about a second baseman you find yourself drafting frequently? Uh, D. Gordon. He's the one guy who really stands out at stolen base, and that's what I I care about statistical scarcity more than positional scarcity. So I'll I'll target that guy. Scott White, how about you? These are some very roto specific takes, and I have a roto specific second baseman who I like a great deal. But just to just to shake things up a little, I'm going to go with Scooter Jeanette, who I like drafting in both formats and like drafting for very little. Okay, so Scooter Jeanette for Scott. Heath likes Cesar Hernandez late. We all like Jose Altuve. Chris says he gets D. Gordon. When would you guys take D. Gordon? It's much different in points in, in Roto, obviously. Uh, D. Gordon 
He's very good in points last year, but not exactly a standout. He was the sixth best third base, uh, second baseman in points leagues. He was number three in Roto. When is the time to pull the trigger on D Gordon? I think somebody in a Roto league is going to reach for D Gordon in round three. I don't think he's really a third round player, it's but not a reach. there's, not, there's a scarcity of steals and somebody's going to reach for that scarcity. It's not at all a reach. He's, he's I a, he's, I don't know. I don't he's know. a legitimate three category contributor in Roto. Like he's, he's a plus contributor. In the two hardest categories to fill, but he's and a runs. big minus in the category where you everybody's have, where going, you where you need the most. Everybody's right, and those are also the ones where they're the most plentiful. Everybody's going to have a zero, and he's a big minus somewhere. in another category too. Like right, home runs minuses. and RBI, yeah, but those are also. I don't know totally how you can connected. just hear and objectively say it's not a reach. It's it's a matter of opinion, it's, and I think it's a reach. Because that's all right. Well, that's just an opinion. If he hits 300, steals 60 bases, and scores 100 runs, which is what the expectation should be, I, mathematically speaking, it would not be a reach. I think that's the question. Do you think he's not a 300 hitter? I don't know. Do you, you think he's a 280 that. hitter? Maybe. He's, Do you think he's he a could 50 be either one of those. I think you're. I think if you draft D. Gordon, you're probably solving your steals problem. I think if you draft D. Gordon in the third round, you're creating a heck of a lot more problems. If you draft two home run hitters in the first round, two guys that you expect to hit more than 30 home runs— it definitely makes it a lot easier to take D. Gordon in the third I just, round. I keep coming back to this. The, there was the guy who who sent me. He had Billy Hamilton on three different teams. He did the math, and he said if you replaced Billy Hamilton with a guy who hit 280 with 30 home runs, 85 RBI, 85 runs, and 90 RBI, his team would have been significantly worse than it was with Billy Hamilton. You know D. Why? Gordon's better than Billy Hamilton. He built his team around Billy Hamilton. Like I, mean, I, sure. I, I would hope he wouldn't. I would hope he wouldn't have any other recourses for steals if he had drafted Billy Hamilton. But that, so, yeah, but that, like, that, that tells you that the math problem isn't like it. The math problem still works out in those steals guys' favors, especially D. Gordon, who is a legitimate plus in two other categories. Well, all right, just, just, just I don't like it. Just be aware you're you're getting two home runs and a very low RBI total from D. Gordon as well. Uh, and then I guess there's the question of do you think he'll run less frequently with Seattle? I mean, like Gene Segura went from 33 steals to 22 steals. as eh, fewer games. He missed 40 games. He, yeah, he played uh, He played 28 more games the year before. He it's dropped down like, 11 steals. It's not like Don Mattingly has a history of letting his teams run wild. He let D. Gordon run, and that's about it. All right, fair enough. So uh, those are second basemen that will draft frequently, second baseman uh, and – Scott probably won't be getting D. Gordon. But uh, second baseman, you have not been drafting. Scott, we'll start with you. Anyone other than D. Gordon that you have not been drafting? <laughs> I actually have drafted D. Gordon before, mm-hmm. uh, but I think the biggest name here is Jonathan Scope. Yes. Yep. ADP is just too high. Round six for Scope. Yeah, and if you look at his per-game production, it's very similar to like a dozen other second basemen. It's just he happened to play a lot of games. I don't know that he has upside beyond what he did last year. Um, I know he's young, but... Uh, he's, he's, he's flawed in some ways, doesn't walk at all, and that, that limits the player's ceiling. Um, so yeah, I think Jonathan Scope's easy to pass up. I'm, like, just, just to put numbers on it, Heath mentioned Cesar Hernandez, who I don't think is anything particularly special, but he averaged 2.91 fantasy points per game last year. Jonathan Scope averaged 3.04. That's not a big difference. Especially yeah. considering you're talking probably 20 rounds difference of where they're being drafted. Mm-hmm. And guys like Ozzy Albies and Eduardo Nunez, they average more points per game than, than Jonathan Scope. Uh, Chris, who are you not drafting at second base? Uh, 
probably, you know, I talked about stolen base scarcity with Merrifield. I just don't buy the hitting. I, if he's more that of a... That was the guy. That was the guy I drafted a lot. If he's a 22-steal guy, there's a chance that that's actually a one-category contributor who doesn't contribute all that much. I think there's... I think there's virtually zero chance with Merrifield's a zero, uh, just a one trick category, just just a steals guy because he's two years in a row now he's hit over 280, um, with Babbitts that totally support it. I like that's how I like getting my steals. Whit Merrifield had over 30 steals last year. He was fourth in all the majors behind the big three of Turner, uh, Hamilton and D Gordon, and you can get him in round seven or later. Like that, and he's probably going to give you power. It, you know, there's a good chance he gives you some power, and it'll certainly be more than like D. Gordon gives you. So, uh, I, I think that's a much better value, a much better way to address the steals scarcity. And you're probably halfway to competing in steals just with Whit Merrifield. Right. I mean, obviously, D. Gordon is much more proven than Whit Merrifield. I, I can't help think of Jonathan Scope, or not Jonathan Scope, Jonathan VR last year, the, one of the biggest busts in fantasy. Skill set is totally different, but the lack of track record. Like, the skill set that Whit Merrifield showed last year, I think if he could show that skill set again, he should be a pretty useful guy. I just think there's a chance that he hits 265 with 11 homers and 20 steals, and that's just... That is not that bad. The skill set that made the difference from, and, and again, he hit almost for the exact same average as rookie season in a sophomore year last year when rookie season he was, you know, pretty much easy to ignore. Sophomore season he was a fantasy mainstay. He was the fifth best second baseman on a per game basis. Uh, the biggest, a, he did have a 361 BABIP in 2016. Right. But last year he had what BABIP? Three was, last last, last year, year was great. the skill set that the he biggest, showed last year, I just don't know the, if the biggest skill set difference, is real. The biggest difference from his rookie season to his sophomore season was fly ball percentage. It drastically went up last rate. year, and that fly ball percentage was the one he had throughout his minor league career. Right. I'm, if the skill set that he showed last year is the skill set that he will show moving forward, mm-hmm. I think what he did last year is sustainable. It's not that there is some outlier in terms of like. He had a too high Babbitt for his line drive. Like all of that stuff makes sense. It's the same thing with Justin Smoke. Justin Smoke's underlying skill set that he showed last year looks sustainable, but the track record isn't. Well, we don't really have a track record for Whit Merrifield. Sure, we have a minor league track record. Yes, where he was and, a and this hitter. and this what he did last year was basically what he did in the minors. Except he was a two seventy hitter in the minors. Okay, ten different. That's a that's a big short difference. Average, yeah. I, mean, I mean, but that's a big. He hit two ninety last year. If he hits 270, he's a 300 on base guy, and he's probably not going to steal 35 bases again. All right, so with Merrifield is number eight, second baseman off the board, Heath. Uh, He's round seven right now. How do you feel about it? Just wrap it up on Merrifield and then give me the second baseman you're not drafting. I mean, the second baseman I'm not drafting would have been Jonathan Scope. He was in my bust. With Merrifield, I don't get as excited about as Scott, but I don't think his draft position, I don't think he's being overdrafted necessarily either, just because... I feel like second base is pretty shallow. Whit Merrifield is right after the sixth second baseman that I feel pretty good about. And I think at the end of the seventh round is a good place to grab him in Roto. Okay. So last question on Merrifield, cause, cause second base is very much about steals, you know, in a lot of cases, not in points leagues, obviously, but when you're talking about D Gordon, maybe taking him in round three, talking about, uh, Mer- Merrifield's going in round seven. Is it smarter to just wait for Eduardo Nunez in round 12, the 14th second baseman off the board? 
It may be. There's just the question of playing time with him because in in theory he's going to be an everyday player at the start of the year. Dustin Pedroia is recovering from surgery, uh, but there's some thought that maybe Pedroia may not even miss time at all, uh, at least not to start the year. He always seems to miss some time during the season, in which case Eduardo Nunez is going to have to be that super utility guy who robs at bats from everybody else. And looking at the Red Sox lineup, not a lot of guys they'd want him to rob at bats from. So, yeah, I mean, he could be he could be even like he could be Whit Merrifield, but with a better batting average. Um, but because the at bats aren't assured, I I I think the you know the five round difference there makes sense. Yeah, the, the only thing I'll say in Nunez's favor, and I have him ranked as a top twelve second baseman. There's reason to be concerned about his playing time if everyone on the team stays healthy. But he can play so many different positions, not necessarily well, but he can stand there with a glove. He has all of the different gloves. <laughs> um, that it, this, somebody's going to get hurt. And sure. when someone does get hurt, he's most likely the guy that fills in, no matter where that position is. Or maybe Rafael Devers just isn't quite as good as we think, which happens all the time, even with top prospects. Like it's not out of the question that he's the everyday third baseman by June. That seems really unlikely, but not. These are all these are all reasonable points, and and you know very likely one of them comes to pass. But if you're counting on Nunez to be your steal source, you need him to get like it. It can't just be a situation where okay he takes over in June and starts the rest of the year because he's probably only going to give you 20 steals if that happens. He also know? didn't run as much in Boston. No, I think it's because he hit so well. Yeah, he, he had hit, eight hit home more runs. power. Yeah. Uh, all right, so. Let me just uh, wrap it up by saying, here's a guy that I will not be drafting. I don't know that I've ever drafted him, even though he consistently shows up as a top 12 guy. DJ LeMayhew. Just like, whatever, dude. You know, you're not even stealing bases anymore. I like your batting average. You don't hit me any home runs. Somehow you don't score 100 runs every year. I don't understand that. He should be scoring 100 runs every year, but DJ LeMayhew, 95 runs is not bad, but I feel like he should be a standout, and he just, he rarely, rarely is. Uh, he seems to be getting a little bit worse. So I am not going to be taking DJ LeMayhew. There's just not a lot of upside. What if he hits leadoff? Didn't he hit second all year last year? He did. He hit second yep. all year. Now he's have. He's not going to have Arenado and Cargo behind him. He's going to have Blackman and Arenado. Interesting. Behind. Interesting point. Interesting point. I don't know. It just like this guy is like usually around eighth or ninth at, in points leagues. And Blackman, Blackman scored like 140 runs last season, right. right? If he's hitting third, those runs. I mean, he's not. LeMahieu's not as good as Blackman, but if LeMahieu's hitting in front of Blackman and Arenado, I would say 100 runs is almost guaranteed. Yeah, well, he scored 95 last year. Sure. Right? It's not. He, I think Adam. I guess what I was going to say was Adam is probably putting LeMahieu down a little too much over what he did last. Like he hit 310 with 95 runs the year before. He had a ridiculous BABIP and he hit 348 with 104 runs. Yeah, 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 but but look where he what? finished with with he's fine. with three ten and nine, yeah, yeah, right. He three ten ninety five point. Like he's not exciting. Lemayhu's tenth at second base because somebody has to be tenth at second base. I I feel like it's more like you know a fifteen way tie for tenth in my second base <laughs> rankings, and Lemayhu happens to be at the front because he plays for Colorado and seems very safe. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but I yeah I I haven't drafted Lemayhu yet. Um, I will like it's another Lemayhu versus Cesar Hernandez. It, yeah, I mean, just one to one, I prefer LeMahieu. If you're giving it a difference of ten to fifteen rounds, then I'll take Hernandez. Yeah, and Albie's too. I mean, 
Like Albies is going Al- three rounds later. We are going to talk about Ozzy Albies yeah, a yeah. lot in this episode, I would guess. There are a lot of f- nice, fun, young second basemen and uh, late round upside, I'd say. But certainly, once you get past the top four or five, and we'll, well, you guys can tell me what you think. But like Altuve, Jose Ramirez, D. Gordon, Brian Dozier, I think people will be pretty excited to draft them. Daniel Murphy might be a little nervous to draft him because of the knee injury, but... You know, I, I wouldn't mind getting one of the elite guys at second base. You tell me what your strategy is at second base in just a second. You t- I'm going to tell you where you need to be playing your fantasy baseball this year. It's, of course, CBSSports.com. You get the CBS Sports Commissioner. It's freaking awesome. It's customizable. Create your own stat categories. Adjust your scoring by position. And the bottom line is, like, I've played on on the other websites, and it just they don't really compare to me. we got a deeper player pool. We've got great advanced stats. We've got a really cool feature where you can look up how a player's been uh, in the last seven days, last 14, last 21, last 28 days. And you can run um, a report with custom date ranges. So you want to know who the who the best catcher is in the last two months or whatever? You can do that. Also, we've got a really cool two-start pitcher page. You can sort uh, look at just who's the free agents out there. Um, so I just, I just think it's really easy in season to manage your team to pick up the best free agents because we make it very easy for you on cbssports.com if you want to sign up please go to cbssports.com slash fbt cbssports.com slash fbt and get your league started today um okay so by the way brent honeywell raised prospect he's having tommy john surgery that sucks we'll talk about that probably next week so yeah i i think um i would like the security of one of those Top second baseman. Obviously, Altuve is going to be the second overall pick for most people. What do you guys think? Do you see a big difference? Do you see a big drop off in making yes. this kind of a top heavy position? This is, this is the infield position, I think, with the biggest, clearest drop off. Um, now that being said, it's also an infield position where, you know, if I, if there's a 15 way tie for 10th, like I said for LeMahieu, I have a hard time not calling that a deep position. Like if you miss out on that tier of Altuve, Jose Ramirez, Brian Dozier, Daniel Murphy, uh, throw Gordon in there and Roto Leagues, if you miss out on that tier, there's no reason to reach at second base because there are a lot of great options. Now, there, you may like a particular upside guy like Ozzy Albies, uh, but aside from that, um, you know, you, it's why you don't need to pay for Jonathan Scope when there's uh, Cesar Hernandez, Scooter Jeanette, any of those types available later in the draft. Heath, how would you sum up your second base strategy? Well, I I don't know that I specifically have a second base strategy. I agree with Scott that it's really deep after you get past the good players. There are a lot of maybe good average players. Um, but I, I would just assume in Roto, I mean, Altuve, Ramirez, and D. Gordon – are three players I'm heavily targeting. So I I would rather get one of those. And I'm happy to take Ozzy Albies is so weird because you look at his consensus ranking, you look at his ADP, and I think I'm the second highest in the industry on him, and I can't seem to ever get him. <laughs> I we all all everybody in this room loves Ozzy Albies, right? I don't I don't know if no, Adam you, does. He's technically like not. There's no, six, I love Ozzy Albies. 60 spots below me. There's a weird yeah. there's a weird thing with Ozzy Albies where like we get really really excited about all prospects. Except we weren't all that excited about Ozzy and I'm talking about kind of us as a group. I don't think we really talked all that much about Ozzy Albies when he got called up, but also 
just the industry as a whole, there wasn't a lot of Ozzy Albies hype. And I wonder if Ronald Acuna kind of sucked all the air out of the room for the Braves. I think just, presently, yes, that's what's happening. And But, like, if you look at what Ozzy Albies did as a 19-year-old and a 20-year-old last year, a 19-year-old and 20-year-old in both double and triple A, compared to what Francisco Lindor did at the same levels, Ozzy Albies was better at pretty much everything. He hit well, for a slightly lower average, but hit for more power, stole more bases, got up to the majors, and kind of looked like Alex Bregman last year. Like, and just in terms of the skill set and the results, there wasn't all that much difference between what Alex Bregman did in 2017 and what Ozzy Albies did. It was a smaller sample, but also, you know, Alex Bregman's sample of being good was pretty small. And you, and you mentioned he was 19, 20, double A, triple A. He was 20 in the majors yeah, last like year. Among is, 20 year olds, is, he had like the 10th best OPS of all time. OPS. This is an elite prospect. Okay. Now, maybe he's one of those guys who's considered a better real life prospect than fantasy prospect, but the fantasy potential here is, I think Francisco Lindor. I think like what Francisco Lindor was last year, maybe not quite as much power, but I don't think we quite expect Francisco Lindor to hit for that kind of power moving forward. That's the upside. All right. So it seems like we've identified one of our breakouts here with Ozzy Albies, or maybe you call him a sleeper. Albies is, uh, the 10th second baseman. No, I'm sorry. Way, way past that. He's the 16th second baseman off the board. He's going in round 13, according to Fantasy Pros ADP. 21 years old and got off to a really bad start. His first 14 games, he had a 550 OPS and then he went nuts, uh, in his last 41 games. He was really good and has good plate discipline. So we like a lot of things about him. If you want to know if I, I like him, I think I'm going to be the one who's the most skeptical about the sophomore slump. That's the only thing I'd say. But obviously, I would like to have a lot of uh, enough Ozzy Albies shares. Um, mm. but yeah, I, I, I'm a little skeptical about that. And I want to get a lot of, I want to get some Johan, Johan Moncada too. I know he hasn't produced nearly as well as Albies did, but, uh, we, we could talk about that later. I guess to sum up the strategy, like, I'm willing to reach on the top guys and then, right, and then you just don't have to, right? Like, you don't want to reach on Cano. You don't you want don't, to, the middle class here. Yeah. You don't want to reach on that. You can end up with them. But you just have to really like the value. Uh, don't don't be like I have to have Robinson Cano. I have to have Jonathan Scope. The the only one I would make an exception for, well, I mean Ozzy Albies and Moncada, like the upside guys later, fine. But among the middle class, the ones who are going to go in the middle rounds is is Whit Merrifield and specifically in a roto league for the Steels. And then Heath, tell me about Daniel Murphy because when Daniel Murphy's healthy, he produces probably like a mid second round pick, maybe even better than that. But you've got to have concerns about the knees. Coming off microfracture surgery, he usually plays about 140, 145 games a season. Um, yeah, I mean, he he obviously, like, he's as good as, as just about any second baseman. But, you know, like, do you want to reach for uh, for Daniel Murphy? Is he in that class with Dozier, and et cetera? I don't think you have to reach for Daniel Murphy, so there's no reason to. Um, I am I, There's plenty of reason to be concerned, a player of his age, having problems with the wheels. He's going to be 33 years old and right before the start of the season or basically right at the start of the season. But if he's healthy, he's a four-category contributor at this position. So he may he's either going to do one or two things. Even if you let him fall to the fifth or sixth round, he's going to be a bust because he's just he's broken or he's going to be a huge value there. Probably better in points leagues, Daniel Murphy, but still really good in Roto, but he doesn't strike out and he hits a lot of doubles. So just be aware of that. But right now he's going in the sixth round and I don't think I've seen, I, I feel like he goes earlier in our drafts, Daniel Murphy. Like I'd love to get him in the sixth uh, round. 
I will point out Justin Turner had off-season microfracture surgery uh, in 20, the off-season, I believe, after 2015. And, you know, he's had his injury issues, but I don't think he's really had any knee issues. Last year was was mostly hamstring, and he's been, you know, the best he's ever been after it. So, okay. you know, worth pointing out. That's good to know. All right, then. Um, so that's our overall strategy. Everybody's going to take Altuve either one or two. So, Scott, I'm going to guess Heath would take him one overall? Yep. Uh, yes. I think Altuve is the one player you can make an argument to take over Trout because of that clear drop-off at second base. Uh, Heath made the argument for a categorical advantage. I'm saying there's a positional advantage there. I think I think Trout's going to come out ahead statistically overall and would take and would take him. I'm, I'm saying I'd take him over Altuve, but I can at least understand the argument why somebody might take Altuve over him. And then I guess the question is, when do you take Jose Ramirez, your number two second baseman? Because you're going to have to choose... Uh, you know, when we did the first base preview, we kind of talked about this. Like, you're going to have to choose Jose Ramirez, or maybe it's Freddie Freeman or Anthony Rizzo or George Springer or something like that, or maybe it's a starting pitcher. You know, how do you slot in Jose Ramirez? The, the draft order right now is 19, Freddie Freeman, 20, Anthony Rizzo, followed by Lindor, Jose Ramirez, Gary Sanchez, Bumgarner. I'm taking Ramirez ahead of those first basemen. Yeah. That's bold from Heath. Usually, usually not one to buy into the, uh, the breakout season. Uh, buying into it. Okay. I mean, I the, have him as a mid-second rounder. The skill set is super elite. Like, he doesn't yep. strike out. He hits the ball hard. Although I was looking at his batted ball data and his hard hit rate was like 8% up from 2016. Mm-hmm. Yep. I remember that's but, why, you know, when we considered 2016 to be Jose Ramirez's breakout season, didn't even know what was in store for us last year. That was one of the gripes you guys had about it was, oh, he doesn't hit the ball hard enough. But his soft contact rate was actually up in 2017. Now, that could just be the result of becoming more of an all-or-nothing hitter, and that could lead to a few more topped-off ground balls that you roll over to the second baseman, but, you know, Something to keep in mind, he may regress more to a 30% hard hit rate guy. All right, so Heath is going to take Jose Ramirez ahead of Freeman, Vado, and and Rizzo. Scott and Chris, would you take Jose Ramirez ahead of those three first basemen? No. No, he is – I can. I think there's like 20 first-round caliber players, uh, and that would include all four of the first basemen. It would include Manny Machado and Carlos Correa. It would include the four super aces. Um, I think Jose Ramirez is the top player I want just outside of that group. And he performed like a first rounder last year, but you know, it was power wise. It was certainly an outlier. Um, I think he's good, but, um, but yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's the best of the second group for me. If you play in a league that rewards doubles, like a points league or a total bases league, he led baseball, Jose Ramirez with 56 doubles. Seven more than the number two player. Does anybody know who was number two in doubles last year? No. Jed Lowry. Mm, cool. Another second baseman. Um, so Ramirez had 56 in 2006, 17, and he had, uh, he had 49, or 46 in 2016. So, yeah, he's, uh, very good in, in that category. Alright, so we've established where we're taking Jose Ramirez and Jose Altuve. Um, let's see. Should your middle infielder, if you play in a middle infielder league, should it be a second baseman rather than a shortstop? 
I think, I mean, yes, just say I, yes. I, probably, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it probably should. I, it, everybody else is sleeping at shortstop if it isn't. Okay, sounds good. Um, what else can I ask you here? Any second basemen that are better in points or roto? Like any you know format specific guys? I think we kind of touched on. Obviously, like D Gordon and Whit Merrifield are probably going to be better in in roto. Yeah. So, again, I'll point out when Merrifield was the fifth-best second baseman in points leagues last year. Um, I think Jed Lowry's one of those guys who's clearly better in points. Uh, Brian Dozier's probably a little better in Roto. Yes. Uh, Robinson Cano's probably a little better in Roto because in or in points because he just doesn't stand out anywhere in Roto. I think Dozier's actually better in points leagues. I think he has been because he walks so much. Yeah. Um, I, don't, yeah, I, don't, I don't see him as very format-specific. Um, true. Uh, Rugnet Odor, I think, Roto. is Roto player. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. he doesn't walk at all. Rugnet Odor is a great guy. I mean, Rugnet Odor, like, could be, like, maybe his ceiling is, like, the seventh best Roto, uh, points second baseman. Like, like the ceiling. Because his yeah. walk to strikeout ratio is so bad, but it's better than that in, in point, in uh, Roto for sure. Yeah, he could lead the position in home runs. Yeah. Uh, but that's, you know, he, and he doesn't strike out much is the weird thing, but you don't expect him to help in batting average. So he's really just that one category contributor. Yeah. Uh, he could be a big, he's like the Evan Gaddis of second base, I guess. With a little bit of steals, maybe about 15 for Rugnet Odor. Very interesting player. Some, somebody that I'll be taking in Roto Leagues. I'm sure we all want a little bit of Odor in Roto Leagues, right? Heath, you've got him as a regression candidate, regressing up. Absolutely, yeah. He's, his batting average was ridiculously low. Some might even say below his batting average floor. And so in the basement of where his batting average could be, and he, he absolutely has the potential to lead the position. Home. He had the sixth lowest BABIP of the last 10 years uh, among qualified batters. He did hit a lot of infield fly balls, uh, which is batted going, balls that are 100% out. But, yeah. you know, you're still only talking like he did that 29 times this year. He did it 26 times in 2015. He did it 16 times in 2016. He's going to hit a lot of infield fly balls. He doesn't have the best back control. He gets under the ball. He's trying to lift it. I, Even if he hits another 30 infield fly balls next season, he's not going to have a 224. All right. Look, I got to I gotta call out the advanced stats here. Can we just get back to basics and call them pop-ups? No. Why? They're not. They're, they're pop-ups. They're not infield fly balls. We grow up knowing that fly balls go to the outfield. That's the whole point of fly balls. They go to the outfield. They're pop-ups, Chris. I like it. Are they, are they cans of corn? <laughs> they are cans of corn. You know why corn. they call them cans of corn? No. Um, because Steve can o corn. No, because in the old days. On the days, 1922 Philadelphia Avenue. Wait, can I guess? Can I guess? Yes. In the old days, you would like pop up a can of corn. No, in the old days, Damn. they would have the corn that was going to be, was being stored on the top shelf. And somebody would have to go up there and push it off, and somebody else would stand at the bottom and catch the corn and put it where it goes on the shelf. So oh. it was as easy as catching a can of corn. I see. Big Charlie in here no, with like, us today. Like green beans or <laughs> just corn. Huh, interesting. Uh, all right. All right. So let's uh getting back to it here. Real quick, will Anthony Rizzo gain second base eligibility again? Yes. It depends if they <laughs> have that one umpire ring crew who – Decides to make them. Uh, who cares? It depends uh, if they use that. Same uh, shift well, we should too, certainly I mean. care. Uh, he, like, he already is second base on some sites. It's worth pointing out, not ours, because we are smarter than that. But uh, yeah, it, it could happen again. 
I'm not drafting him any differently, thinking it will happen again. Maybe I should. Maybe maybe I'm not giving that uh, yeah. enough thought, but I, I that's not so. how I've ranked him. Actually, Heath, you know, you just said that you'd take Jose Ramirez ahead of Anthony Rizzo, but that was when, with the context of Rizzo is only a first baseman. If that's you're true. playing in a league in which Rizzo's second base eligible, who do you take first, uh, Jose Ramirez or Rizzo? If I'm playing in a league in which Rizzo is second base eligible, I am strongly considering taking him at the end of the first round. Okay, Rizzo. Okay. All right. Um, sleepers, breakouts, and busts, guys. And then we'll do our ADP review, give you the best values. We still, we have a lot to talk about. We got to talk about Moncada, uh, Javier Baez. I know some of us are high on Ian Happ. Um, I think Jonathan VR, he's battling for a job, but he's, he's worth a look. Scott can tell you why he likes Scooter Jeanette. Round 17, he's going pretty late. Let's get two sleepers, breakouts, and busts. Scott, your favorite sleeper second baseman. My favorite sleeper at second base is, in fact, Scooter Jeanette. And one of my favorite stats to cite during this draft prep season is this one. Scooter Jeanette had a four-homer game June 13th. It was out of nowhere. Nobody believed it was good, anything was going to come from it. It just dismissed as a complete fluke. But five days later, he entered the starting lineup as more or less a regular player. June 18th, five days later. From June 18th on... He was right there, tied with Whit Merrifield for the fifth most points per game at the position. And that's from June 18th on, not even counting the four-homer game on June 13th, the game that put him on the map, the historic performance that really should be counted to get a full uh, and accurate reflection of his ability. Scott, June 19th, June 19th is my birthday. Can you just Can you just go to June 19th instead of 18th? Um. Well, okay. Thank I don't you. know what I don't know exactly what his points per game was from that. This has got to be the same. The day he entered the lineup, it's got to be the same. Sure. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. I believe at the time we may have called him the worst player to ever have a four homer game. Well, it was, yeah. I mean, probably, only good players have four homer games. Probably still true. <laughs> I guess. Oh, uh, Mark Witten had a four homer game, right? That wasn't a very good player. Yeah. I think he was better than Scooter Jeanette. He did have at the time. Yes. Yeah. I All don't right. know anymore. Go on, sir. So Scott, Scott likes Scooter Jeanette. Well, I think, are you done or I'm sorry, I cut you off? No, that's me. I mean, I guess to, to close out the point, obviously there's a lot of reason to, it was an out of nowhere performance. Um, you know, it was one he sustained over three and a half months, but still there's reason to be skeptical of it. Did he hit lefties yes, last year? He wasn't bad against them. Cause that's been, the issue is he's just been he's been able to hit righties. Like, and when I say he wasn't bad against them, like he wasn't Jake Lamb. He obviously needs to sit against lefties. He he held his own. He had a six ninety one OPS against them. That'll play. Yeah, yeah. Um. So I mean, it's it's like Chris was saying for Justin Spoken in in Whit Merrifield. Like if you just look at the numbers in and of themselves, there's no reason to doubt what Scooter Jeanette does. Your doubts just come from what he did previously. I think the upside is so high. And the and the cost so low that I'm willing to overlook that. Chris sleeper second baseman. Uh, I think Heath and I probably have the same guy in mind. Nope. No, nope. Well, we'll mention Cesar Hernandez. We all love him at his value, but talk about upside is so high and cost is so low. Jonathan VR is not being drafted, I believe, right now in most leagues. Uh, no, one eighty five. So he's being drafted, but closer to the reserve rounds. This is a guy we probably saw his absolute tippy top ceiling in 2016 but if he gets and this is strictly roto but if he gets 450 plate appearances and is used as a pinch runner he could steal 40 bases 
Yeah, Jonathan VR, terrible last year. Still had a respectable steals total. What was it, like 25-ish or something? Uh, it was 23. So, yeah. And he needs, to, he needs to do more than that to be worth the number 185 pick, to be clear. He needs to run more often. But I think there's a chance he does. His competition at second base is Eric Sogard, who I think he could, I think he can beat out. So all right, we got Scooter. Maybe I'm on right, and they bring that up. That's not going to happen. I think but that was they did bring up that up again the other day, like <laughs> yesterday. Braun, yeah. Like that would be like if they did that. I mean, maybe it would be terrible for their pitchers. I don't know, but it would be awesome for fantasy because it would get rid of that whole Eric Thames, uh, Dominic, yeah, no. Domingo Santana. Three days ago, Craig Council still said Ryan Braun will only play left field and third base, so, yeah. or first base. So, yeah. All right, Heath, who you got? If it's not Scooter Jeanette and it's not Jonathan VR, it is. Yeah, those guys are both in the 190 range. I'm going to move up a little bit, but I'll stay outside of the top 12 rounds. Paul DeYoung going at pick 155. We've talked about some guys where there's nothing to doubt from their breakout last year. There's plenty to doubt from what Paul DeYoung did. But thankfully, he was on like a 33 homer pace and hit 285, so he's got a little bit of room to fall back and still be worth more than that draft position. Ah, uh, the Orlando's Aledmus Diaz. Orlando's Aledmus Diaz. Orlando's he's from Orlando. Yeah, I don't. Oh. I was gonna Nobody say St. Louis is Trevor Story, but yeah. Either way, it's not <laughs> uh, it's not high praise. It's bad plate discipline with a lot of power. Uh, so, okay, that's Heath Sleeper. Let's go to the breakouts. Heath, you can start us off. Who your, who's, uh, your favorite breakout second baseman? I mean, like, I like Ozzy Albies and Yohan Moncada more than this guy, but I assume he's going to be, at least one of those will be said by someone else. So, I will say Ian Hap. And it, we're getting a few slightly encouraging reports about Ian Hap and train, training, or spring training and how they want to make sure they get him at bats. The Cubs have lefties that don't need to play against lefties, so I think he should play every day against lefties. Almora is not going to hit righties very well. They're talking about they can play him a little bit at second base. The reason I'm talking about playing time is because that's the only concern that I have with the NF. Yeah, he was pretty good last year. 253 with 24 homers in 115 games. Slugged 514. Uh, yeah, so good and, stuff. And here's some good news for Ian Happ. Uh, Joe Madden basically said that Javi Baez is at his playing time ceiling unless he improves. Wow. Yes. Baez is at that point now. Uh, to get those 500, 600 plate appearances, he needs to organize his strikeout, accept walks, and use the whole field. That would be the next level for him. Javi Baez had a 19% swing strike rate last season. So wow. well, he has a lot of work to do. And one other thing about Hap, he hit 253, which was bad. But that was not what we necessarily expected from him. And he did not have a strikeout problem in the minor leagues. I think the highest strikeout he ever had was 23.5. Last year, he struck out 31% of the time. I don't expect him to strike out that much, and neither does Steamer or any of the other projections. We didn't really expect him to hit as much power as he did, though, right? Like, he wasn't this kind well, of power. Well, he had it in Triple A. He did not have it in 2016. Yeah. All right, Chris, I'm give me a breakout. Get the other side of the coin on Hap when we get to my bust. Okay, excellent. Uh, Chris, breakout. <sighs> Scott, you want to go Ozzy Scott, Albies? Scott, bring it up. <laughs> yeah, no, Yo, Ozzy Albies. Okay, we'll go with Yohan Mankata. Okay. Uh, talk about elite talent. This is this is a guy with the the potential to be a first round pick. Now he's had a lot of flaws in his game, especially since getting to the high minors. He strikes out like twenty eight, thirty percent of the time, uh, both in Double A and Triple A, and then in the majors. But if he can cut that to twenty three, twenty four percent all of a sudden you're looking at a potential five-category stud. 
Yoan he Molina. cut it down significantly in September too, which was also the month where he hit for all of his power. Like if those of us on the Yoan Moncada breakout um, bandwagon, and I'm on it, I'm not as confidently as like Albies, but I'm on it. You're hanging your hat on that September where um, he he looked like. He looked like a major leaguer for the first time. He cut his strikeout rate, but it was still... It was still high. It was still 28%. Yeah. So that's higher than it probably can be for him to really break. But when you're comparing him to Ozzy Albies, Ozzy Albies doesn't have near the ceiling on Makata does. All right. And uh, Makata, obviously, as Chris said, you know he can steal bases. He can give you help in a lot the, of categories. The floor might be pretty high just because he's probably going to steal a bunch of bases. So, Scott, your breakout would be Albies? Yes, my breakout would be Ozzy Albies, who, uh, oh, sorry, I was, did, did you hear me okay? I'm not, I, we're getting used to these new mics. It's I like, did. The, it's like the, the traditional radio mics that you kind of have to like make out with when uh, you're talking to in them. That's why we're getting to second base today, baby. Yeah. Um, yeah, just don't make out with them. <laughs> so, uh, so, I, yeah, uh, talked about, go ahead. Gave some details on Ozzy Albies already, but, um, the, the Francisco Lindor comparison, I think makes a lot of sense because I, both of them were elite prospects for a long time before they reached the majors that fantasy owners more or less weren't too thrilled by because the minor league numbers, in particular, the power, uh, didn't look like anything special. The difference for Albies is right before he got called up to the majors from June 3rd to July 31st, uh, his final stretch in the minors. He hit seven home runs at 195 at bats, had an 867 OPS. He suddenly started hitting for power at an age, you know, 20, where he's, he's still developing physically. Like it's, for me, it's always when you're talking about teenagers and, you know, every year Albies was a prospect before last year, he was a teenager. It, it, it seems crazy to me to put limits on upside because you just have no idea how this guy's going to develop physically or in any other way. He's just such a, uh, you know, blank canvas. Um, Albies had always shown great bat on ball ability. And with the emergence of power, his final stretch in the minors that then carried over to the majors. Um, I, I think he looks like, you know, a potential early round player in fantasy. And one thing we haven't really touched on yet is the stolen base potential mm-hmm. at a time when um, steals are so hard to come by guys very fast. Now he didn't, steal a ton of bases in the minors but he has the potential to steal a ton of bases and um during his time in the majors uh he was a uh he was a contributor in that i'm trying to find the exact numbers it was uh, eight steals in his 57 games so his 150 game pace was 16 homers 22 stolen bases yeah yeah and i think he could be a 30 steal guy just depending on what the braves want to do with him Okay, guys, so you've given me six names for sleepers and breakouts. Scooter Jeanette, Jonathan VR, Paul DeYoung, Ian Happ, Yoan Moncada, and Ozzy Albies. Not everybody's going to agree on all of these, but Jeanette, VR, DeYoung, uh, Happ, Moncada, Albies. Give me your top three, everyone. Scott, you first. Top three of that group. Uh, for me, I would go Albies, Jeanette, and Moncada. Yeah. Heath, how about you? I will go Albies, Moncada, and Hap. Chris? Albies, Hap, 
Moncada. All right, Albies and Moncada are in the top three for everybody. And real quick here so we can get to ADP, who's your bust? Heath, you can start. I think it's pretty easy when it's Javi Baez. He's being drafted in the 10th round. I don't think it's guaranteed that he's going to get a lot more plate appearances than he's gotten so far. And I don't think, even if he was, I'd be certain that he was going to live up to that ADP. This is our bust last year. <laughs> Nobody's learned. Uh, Chris, how about a bust for you after Javi Baez? Paul DeYoung. Oh. Whoa, you, wait a second. You, wait, you planted your flag on Whit Merrifield bust island like a month ago. Yeah, so I didn't want to, yeah, I right. already talked about why I think Whit Merrifield's a bust. Paul DeYoung, I mean, the guy can hit, but even his best case scenario is like kind of replaceable in this current climate. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I'll, I'll well, especially in points leagues, um, road will be a little different. Leagues. Yeah, I mean, he, Heath was saying he has a lot of room to regress from last year's numbers in points leagues, two eight four points per game. I mean, that was basically what DJ LeMahieu did. So he's not, I'm you know, it, it was worse guess. than it was worse than Cesar Hernandez did. I'm going to guess, and I could be completely wrong. That when I get to Paul DeYoung's baseball reference page, he had several games that were partial games. Okay, it would have to be a lot. I'll just say, like, you take what DeYoung did and you give him 155 games and he's the number nine second baseman in points leagues. Whereas you do that with Eduardo Nunez or Ozzy Albies, you're talking about a top five guy. That doesn't mean they were on a per game basis. I mean, Scott has that list, but like, just, just be aware. That in Roto, he's he's probably going to be better, Paul DeYoung, than in points because the play discipline is so bad. Yeah, uh, it's kind of another Rugnet-Odor situation. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think DeYoung last year was the high end of that. Odor last year was the low end of that. Maybe it flips this year. All right, uh, and that brings us to Scott's bust. So we have Javier Baez from Heath. We have Paul DeYoung from Chris and you. Yeah, I mean, we could paint a rosy picture for Ian Happ as Heath did. and. You know, maybe that's the way it'll play out, but I think there's a lot of reason to doubt it'll play out that way too. Albert Almora was known as a defensive whiz through during his time coming up from the minors. Uh, I think the way they've used them in the playoffs shows Javier Baez, while the Cubs may not be ready to commit to him full time, he's their preferred option at second base. Ian Happ will play enough all in between the infield and outfield that he'll probably have 400 plus at bats, but at a position where there are so many alternatives, I don't think that's going to be enough for him to really stand out, especially since I'm not sure what he does well other than hit for power. You you were saying, Heath, that he didn't strike out in the minors like he did in the majors, and maybe he'll overcome that, maybe. Well, he but had, had a 9.4% walk rate as a rookie, too. That's, his, that's really good. His, his Okay. But his strikeout rate last year was... Awful. One of the worst in baseball. Worse than Aaron Judge, and we give Judge a hard time for his. All the- I don't. Okay, you don't, yeah. But Chris and I do. Most people do. Um, you know, he would have to improve his strikeout rate significantly to have any hope of being um, a help in batting average or a decent on-base guy. So I, I, think, uh, I think power, part-time player, power-specific. Yeah, I just don't see him standing out at, at a position where there are a lot of alternatives. If you're going to draft a power-first part-time player in the Chicago Cubs, draft the guy who has 45 homer potential in Kyle Schwarber. That's my my suggestion. Who's not as good a hitter as Ian Happ, but yes, he is. All right. Like, I think you are severely overrating what Ian Happ did last season. 
I, 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 a 33% hard contact rate with a 25% home run to fly ball rate. If I that normalizes, uh, he's kind of jaggy. I think that I we have a new, I think we have a new drinking game. It is Chris Towers mentions Kyle Schwarber. Yes. <laughs> Take a drink, everybody. Does that happen a lot? I didn't notice. Yeah, he kind of likes, he likes Schwarber. He likes Kyle, Kyle Schwarber's in the best shape of his life. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know if he's, Jock Peters. I don't know if he's on the TB12 method, but, uh, he looks, he looks svelte. Okay, here we go. ADP. We have not really talked about Brian Dozier that much. I mean, we've mentioned him. We have not talked about Robinson Cano basically at all. So let's get to it. Jose Altuve, second overall. That's great. Jose Ramirez, 22nd overall. That sounds about right. D. Gordon, 33rd overall. This is roto drafting. Roto drafting. So we know Scott thinks that's too early. We know Heath and Chris do not think that is too early. So let me ask you this. In a points league, don't worry about categories. In a points league where D. Gordon was the number six second baseman in fantasy, what round are you looking to take D. Gordon in? Probably like six or seven. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Would you take him ahead of Daniel Murphy? No. Not in a points league. Nope. Okay. Would you take not him ahead right of, now. would you take him ahead of Murphy in a roto league? Yes, 100%. Yeah, I think I'm at least to that point. Murphy, ADP is sixth round. I mean, yeah, I would, I would take D Gordon in a roto league earlier than the sixth round. And who do you like in roto? D Gordon or Brian Dozier? D. D. I prefer Dozier. D for Dozier or D for D Gordon? <laughs> D. Alright, two, think that question. <laughs> two Gordons and a, uh, and a Schwarber. No, two Gordons and a Dozier. Um, all right, so Brian Dozier is the fourth second baseman off the board. He is going 35th overall. That is late round three in a 12-team league, nearly the beginning of round four. Do you see any risks with Brian Dozier? I, it's hard to it's hard to get over that he, like he's just been kind of crap for the first half two years in a row and then been kind of the greatest player ever in the second yeah. half. Uh, yes, but, you know, that's... we kind of said that about Joey Votto, and, and uh, he didn't do that last year. But, but what do you well, think? Vado is, you know, a different class of hitter too. I my biggest concern with drafting Brian Dozier is I won't trust myself to um <laughs> write it to out. Not, to not believe, oh my goodness, the bottom's falling out when it looks like the bottom's falling out as it has the last two years. Uh, and I think we had him, we had him in the uh the podcast for the People League, Adam, last mm-hmm. year, right? And we we kind of had that panic. In the first half, and I think we traded him. Now we traded him getting a pretty good return, but, um, you know, obviously the owner who acquired him from us got the best of Brian Dozier. Like, I can't guarantee that won't happen again come June yeah. 1st, you know? First round, or first half, second half. Over the last three seasons, he's averaging 34 homers, 18 steals. The batting average has been higher the last two seasons, but the counting stats were remarkable even before that. I don't care really that much about the shape of the season. This guy's got a I get that. I get that. I think that, I think that's the reasonable, uh, way to look at from, you know, from a mile up. But when you're in the trenches, when you're in the trenches, it's hard to keep the faith. As, as I I think Chris should do one of his batting average upside and floors, because I think he was much, much closer to his batting average ceiling last two years. Than he was to his floor. But if he, that's the concern is he hit, he could hit 245 and it's not a surprise at all. Yeah, but he does so much else well that I, you live with it. I don't think there's very much downside at his draft price, even if he does hit 245. Like that will definitely hurt you and you will have to make up for that. But it, I, I look at it the same way I do actually Rugnet Odor in very similar ways is that like with everything that they do, I'm just, 
I'll live with the worst case scenario batting average season. I, I, I agree with that completely with Odor, who you're drafting in the double digit rounds, but D. Gordon in the third, or Brian Dozier in the third, it's a little different. Okay, so Dozier, yeah, like, like the batting average is probably the, the tough part here. The good part is that he has scored 100 runs or more four straight seasons, as Chris has kind of set the counting stats. Specifically, I mean, the run scored, he's, he's pretty awesome at that. Alright, we move on past Dozier to number five, Daniel Murphy, who's going in round six. And I, I think I kind of summed it up. When he plays, he's awesome. But there are obviously injury concerns here. Uh, is he a top five second baseman for everybody? Daniel Murphy? Yes. Okay. Yes. Alright, then we've got the guy that we're not drafting. Same round as Murphy, Jonathan Scope. Like, we're not taking Scope in round six. No, 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 no. No reason for that. We will have bad breath. Get it? No scope. It's then Robinson Cano. Hilarious. Thank you. Robinson Cano in round seven. And Whit Merrifield in round seven. So Cano is very interesting. Guys, we, uh, we got about ten minutes left in the show, so keep that in mind. So, uh, less he's than ten minutes, please. What do you think about Cano? He's not that interesting. <laughs> he's not? Yeah, like, he, over the last, since getting to Seattle, he's had one interesting season. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Like and last we, season, and we he, all fell for it and ranked him high again. Yeah, and like then he last season he drove in 97 runs. That's pretty interesting. But if he's more of a 85 RBI guy, which is probably a little more realistic, and he's a 25 homer ceiling guy and a 80, like it just nothing that he does in this offensive environment stands out. It's all very like slightly above average. I will give the 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 positive spin on Robinson Cano's. I do think the Mariners are going to have a good offense this year. Sure. He has been there for 150 games basically every year of his career. He could have a fantastic compiler of a season. He's going to help you in batting average. You could get 105 but runs. That's, but you're calling him a compiler. Everything we don't like about Jonathan Scope basically applies to Robinson Cano, except he's eight years older. Uh, I, I also think, well, he's safer than than Jonathan Scope. Like Jonathan I don't know Scope about before, that. But I was, that's all. I think that's a good argument for him in head-to-head points. He yeah, is. He is. I'd much rather draft oh, points. He is well, definitely points. a guy that in a points league, you set your lineup in week one, you probably don't have to take him out at any point. Well, again, I, the stat I cited at the top of the show. Oh, I think I actually cited it for scope, but it was the exact same number for Cano last year: three point oh four fantasy points per game. Yep. Cesar Hernandez was two point nine one. Right. That's but, not a big advantage you're getting at second base for the amount you're having to pay for it, unless. We think Cesar Hernandez might lose his job, and Robinson Cano's own. Okay, but Cesar Hernandez is the example. Year. Like Jed Lowry, two point eight three. Um, yeah, second most doubles in baseball. I, the last here's the thing I'll say about uh, Cano is that if you want to be optimistic about him, it's that like he said, he's a compiler and he plays a lot of games. But also, he always like he has excuses. He was playing through an injury in the second half. Yeah, but he's thirty five years. old. I know, but but when he's healthy, like he was thirty four years old, and he had an amazing season in two thousand sixteen, two ninety eight with thirty nine home runs, and he was really good pre All Star break. He had an eight thirteen OPS, was on pace for thirty three homers. Like you need everything to go right, but when he's healthy, this is the optimistic take. When he's healthy, Robinson Cano could still be great. I don't know I'll if I believe that, but it's the optimistic take. As the last guy in his twenties. In this group, I don't want to like offend anyone, but <laughs> when you're 36 years old, you're probably not healthy. You, young guys get hurt too. What? I don't think he won't make, turn 36 this season. When so. you're 35. Yeah. Like when you're a 35 year old baseball player, the default is that you're dealing with something. I heard a lot more than I did seven I'd, years ago. I'd rather have Whit Merrifield at this price than Robinson Cano, and I don't want Whit Merrifield. 
I did hurt my knee like pretty badly doing absolutely nothing this morning, and I'm only 33. So okay, your point is taken. Yeah, so Whit Merrifield goes in this same round, and you said you'd rather have Whit Merrifield, Chris. Yes, at this at this price, I'd rather have Whit Merrifield. Seventh round. Everybody feels that way. You know I do. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Rugnet Odor in round nine. So we goes two rounds now to the number nine second baseman off the board, Odor, who is going to be better in Roto than points. To the point where I said, like, I want to draft him in Roto, and I don't want love, to draft him in points. Love the value here. I, yeah. Um, I like Rugnet Odor. I, I think he's – this is about where he should go. Okay. Um, after him – I'm not taking him to sign points. Oh, Chris Taylor. Chris Taylor shortstop eligible? No, he is not. Oh, so we definitely should have spoken about Chris Taylor. He's yeah. the 10th guy off the board. So it goes Odor, Taylor, LeMahieu, Baez. Baez is no. But Taylor, LeMahieu, no, no, Odor, Taylor, LeMahieu. What do you think about that little run there? Um, I would, I think Taylor's the one I'm going to draft most often. Really? Um, like even in a roto league, you take him over Odor? Yeah, he's he's you know he's the one of that group who can give you some stolen bases. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would expect him to have the most stolen bases of that group. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, Odor's yeah, but Odor's like fifteen, and he's probably what Taylor's like tw- low twenties. Yeah, I mean I, Taylor's batting average was too high last year. Just looking at the Babbitt, um, but I do think he's going to be decent with batting average. I think the power gains are legit. There has been a lot written about. Um, the work he did with different hitting gurus who have great, I think he, I think he worked with the same guys who worked with JD Martinez way back when. Um, and I, I don't have, like, if the Dodgers aren't doubting it, like the Dodgers, the front office is genius. So I'm not doubting it either. I, I, um, not going to have any Chris Taylor this year. And it's not that I necessarily dislike him. It's just, I, his cost is fine, but I would rather have Albies. Right. At the cost. And I would too. It's going a lot later. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Chris Taylor is 2016 Jonathan VR without the upside. Or 2017 oh. Jonathan VR without the upside. Burn. Like obvious, obvious regression candidate without 60 steel potential to make up for it. But you know, he's not going in the third, fourth round like Jonathan sure, VR was. But he's was. still being drafted as a starter. Yeah. And Roto, I'd rather have Nunez. Okay. So right after after the Odor Taylor LeMahieu Javi Baez run, we have uh we skip a couple rounds. We go to round twelve where we have the thirteenth second baseman off the board, Yoan Moncada, followed by Eduardo Nunez, Ian Happ, and Ozzy Albies, and Paul DeYoung. And they're all going, you know, they kind of clump together. Moncada, Nunez, Hap, Albies, and DeYoung. I believe we we spent time talking about all of them, but should they go ahead of the guy who's next, who's 18th off the board, Ian Kinsler, uh, who's the, so like the opposite of all of these guys, right? Not young, Moncada, Nunez, Hap, Albies, De Young. Not that exciting, but it's Ian Kinsler. Should that veteran go ahead of these young upside guys? I would not do that. No. no. Okay. Uh, I, yeah. I mean, I agree. I do think Kinsler is being overlooked to the point he's a nice value. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't mind drafting him. I just he was basically from a points league contest fa- text factoring in all his contributions. He was basically as good as Robinson Cano last year. Um and it was like to me the batting average he he had 
he had bad luck. He should have had a bad, better batting average than that. Yep. He yeah. did have bad luck, and he is going to be at the top of a good lineup. Yeah, which Trout, he has been for Trout the last might five hit years. directly behind him. Um, but I, he's gonna be, he is going to turn 36 this year, and it's not a good hitter's park. And for righties, I'm not sure how much lowering that wall is gonna help. I, uh, I will say among this group, I don't want any part of Marwin Gonzalez. I no, just, I, I don't think he's gonna play enough. I, don't trust the skill set. I think he's probably more of a 260 hitter and you know, he's not going to steal enough bases to make up for it. You should probably draft Marwan Gonzalez as, if a, sh- as a right. shortstop if you're going to draft him. Yeah. I mean, the, the coolest thing Marwan Gonzalez has going for him is, I believe, quintuple eligibility, yeah. which mm-hmm. but that, that's I, I'm not sure that, I've ever seen that going into a season. That's a team that just has too many guys. Yeah, he, they seem to value him as one of the I think he'll play close to every day. I think he'll play more often than Evan Gaddis. I think he'll play more often than Derek Fisher. We'll okay. see. Shortstop, shortstop preview, shortstop yeah. preview. Uh, back to second baseman. After Kinsler, we've got VR, Scooter Jeanette, who we know Scott likes a lot. Jose Peraza, eh, you know, steal. I like Jose Peraza a lot at that value. 230th overall, 257 is his actual average draft position. There's 40 steal upside there. And you don't have to pay the price you did last year when it was a massive disappointment. Yeah, I'd take him over Javi Baez at the same cost. Jason Kipnis is only like one season removed from being kind of a must-start guy, uh, but you know he can't stay healthy. But he, uh, Kipnis has a chance to really score a lot of runs for you. And yeah, you know, these are not bad middle infield options. I mean, if you're just trying to fill middle infield, you can wait until basically the end of the draft and get someone that you like. After Kipnis, we got Beckham, Cesar Hernandez, who's someone that Heath likes a lot and will give you batting average, give you some steals. Chris Owings, Brandon Phillips, Starlin Castro, Josh Harrison, Ronald Torres, Jan Hervis Salarte, Joe Panic. Did I say anyone that you think is a sleeper? I don't know. Like, like Starlin Castro at 300, 303rd overall is probably a pretty good value for a guy who should help you with batting average. Yeah, that's the thing. That's where you really get into the depth of the position, and it probably plays out best in like a league-specific format, uh, where you, yeah. you can get like I got our NL-only auction the other day. I think I got Starlin Castro for eleven bucks, which in an in a twelve-team NL-only context seemed like great value to me. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, w- I don't know that I'd necessarily call any of them sleepers. They're all hitters who we used to consider pretty good fantasy option who've just gotten passed by by better ones. Sure. And it would be nice if Castro gets traded, which is always possible. But and he's, he's, uh, he Josh Harrison's special. probably being a little overlooked as a as a guy who can steal some bases and, and hit for power. Or not hit for power, but hit for average. I think that basically wraps it up. The one thing you should know, um, sorry to do this an hour and two minutes into the show, but it's kind of obvious. It's very AL heavy at the top. <laughs> so like in your NL only leagues, like where does Daniel Murphy go? Because he is so much better than the rest of the crop. Yeah, I mean, is Chris Taylor the number two second baseman? Uh, Lemayhu probably. Ozzy Albies. Albies, yeah. It's not great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, is is Daniel Murphy a first round pick or no? No. Right. no. In, in NL only, obviously. If he was completely healthy, he would be. Yeah. Alrighty, guys. Thank you very much. Uh, fun position. Enjoy your weekend, everyone. We'll come back and either do a news episode on Monday or get right into shortstop. We'll find out, I guess. Have a great weekend. My outros are still worse than Chris's. How is that possible? I'm Adam Azer. For Chris, Scott, and Heath, goodbye.